So this morning we're continuing our series titled Making Room. And it's a multi-part series that looks at some of the things that, that can prevent us from being truly prepared for the gift of God's grace that was made possible through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. An event we mark and celebrate on Resurrection Sunday, which the world calls Easter. And this series began on Ash Wednesday, that day that is observed with Christian traditions and most notably marks the beginning of the Lenten season that we are in for the next few weeks leading up to Holy Week. And if you're not already done, so I want to encourage you to listen to the Ash Wednesday message that is available online so, so that you can hear and understand the purpose of the season as I've reminded you the three areas of special focus that we take during this time. And as the slides on the screen shows, this glass of water that's half full, half empty, but there's, there's something in this glass. You cannot receive more than you can hold, and you certainly can't hold something if the space is already taken up. Thus, we need to make room to accept the wonderful gift of grace offered us through the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And last week's message looked at one of the biggest barriers that we face, and that's forgiveness, or, or withholding forgiveness, really. Forgiving others, forgiving ourselves, because we can't forget that, and accepting God's forgiveness of us. All three are, are challenges, and, and at the expense and trust of Patrick and Becky, who attempted to suck on some painfully sour candy, I contrasted that forgiveness isn't a horrible experience. True forgiveness, scriptural forgiveness, the kind that the God calls us to do, is actually liberating, and it affords us peace. And to forgive is to show love, and, and love is the most important thing we can give to our friends and our neighbors and our family and, and even to strangers. That's what we're called to do. And after lifting, listening to that message, someone asked me this question. They said, what if the person that needs my forgiveness doesn't ask for it? Okay. What if the person that needs my forgiveness doesn't even ask for it? They maybe don't even acknowledge it. They don't even know that they wronged me. Okay. Well, I think that's a great example because, you know, you're harboring the stuff, this junk that's filling that space, and it's not even affecting them. That goes to show the point that forgiveness is really about you, okay, bringing you peace. But my mind immediately went to, to a sinless Jesus' words as he was nailed to the cross for sins. He said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Jesus didn't ask God to withhold forgiveness just because we didn't know, we as a people didn't know what we were doing to Jesus. You know, he's not saying don't forgive us as modern day Christians because we don't realize that when we sin, we're still symbolically driving those nails into those hands and those feet. He's saying forgive them for they know not what they do. Now this morning we're continuing this message here is by looking at something else that can keep us from being prepared for the miraculous gift of God's grace, and that's faith. Faith, as the Bible describes it in Hebrews 11, 1, is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Faith allows us to have courage as we live our days on earth. Faith allows us to have joy when we face tough times because we have a hope that may be beyond our present understanding, and often it is. And conversely, without faith, we can become so preoccupied by our present troubles that we focus on these wrong things that, or, or, or even we freeze in place and, and we feel overwhelmed with despair because we, we have no hope. Making room for, for the, the gift afforded us through the cross means emptying ourselves of these fears and hesitations associated with a lack of faith. Or to say it another way, not trusting in God can become a barrier to receiving the blessings he has intended for you. He wants to forgive you, 
But if you don't trust that he's even able to do that, there's no room for him to do it. And to some degree, everything you do requires you to have faith. If it weren't so, you wouldn't have gotten out of bed this morning because there's no hope. There's no reason. There's no purpose to starting your day. And to a greater degree, you are here this morning in person or listening online because you have faith in God's promises made to you and, and or you want to hear more about them. And before I dive into the scriptures, I want to invite someone special to share a little of their story with you. If you wouldn't mind, I, I did ask for permission and, on this, but I think there's an opportunity like we all have to share a little story of what sometimes we do in faith and how it's met. There's some jokes written in there if you wouldn't read those, if you just speak only for yourself. Okay. I'll do my best. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm huh? sorry. I will remove this. <laughs> there you go. On December 13th, I asked a few of you who were here at the board meeting afterwards um, if you would pray with me. And I asked for forgiveness um, after some things that had happened. And after praying and uh, lots of scripture reading and lots more praying, <laughs> um, I came to the conclusion, and after speaking with several different pastors, um, self-defense is not something that in the Bible it says that we are to sell our coat to get a, a sword and to stand up for ourselves. So that being said, I'll move on. <coughs> During an intake, I was asked if I had a loss of interest in things or had feelings of hopelessness. I answered honestly and said, yes, I, things that I had been very interested in, I had lost interest in them. But I did not have a feeling of hopelessness because I had faith in Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Because I know that I am saved. I had a very difficult time adjusting to life in, in a town. I had security lights outside my bedroom. There were sirens and trash trucks at three o'clock in the morning. Um, a roommate who told me she sometimes had night terrors and she once woke up beating up her husband and sent him to the ICU for a couple days. Um, So needless to say, sleep was not my best friend. I called my doctor and I told him I couldn't sleep. They prescribed me medication and I still, I could not sleep. Last month after I came here, um, 
after everyone left and I was cleaning up trash and double-checking the doors and the thermostats and all that good stuff, I came up here and I prayed. And I said, God, I can't do this on my own. So I laid all my burdens right here. I, I said, they're too much for me to carry. And then I went back to the shelter that night and I slept like a baby. <laughs> and since that day, I have slept well. Um, but every morning I get up at 5 a.m. I sit right outside the staff door at the dining room table. I read my two devotional books, um, Jesus Calling and uh, Be Still and Know. And then I spend at least an hour uh, reading my Bible until it is time, free time to go outside. And then I go out and I pray and I sing at least a couple songs of praise and I thank God for safety and shelter, <laughs> literal shelter. And um, sorry, I, I, I'm. Yes, mm -hmm. this has been a huge, scary experience for me, and I'm finding my way back to center, and the fact that my granddaughter's here today, I've missed her so much, but I've got to spend the weekend with her, and I'm so very blessed. Um... I've written down a bunch of verses. Um, Matthew eleven twenty eight says, Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Um, but I spend a lot of time looking up, uh, you know, whatever. If I'm anxious, I look up anxiety and look up a bunch of verses and I write them down. I have lists and lists. Um, Proverbs 3:24. when you lie down, you will not be afraid. Your sleep will be sweet. Psalms 4, 8, I will both lay me down in peace and sleep for thou Lord only makes me dwell in safety. And then of course the 23rd Psalms. Um, Psalms 127, verse 2, for he gives his beloved sleep. Isaiah 30, verse 15, in repentance and rest is your salvation. In quietness and trust is your strength. But I feel that my faith is what has got me through this trial. And I, I don't believe that I could have made it through this 
without my faith and my friends here at Golden Beach. And I would like to thank every one of you for being here for me. You are well loved. I know I speak for everybody and it's hard to come speak, but it's even harder to extend that kind of trust to say, guys, I need help. And when you came, everybody's hearts were softened because you are so well loved and we're inspired by the strength you've taken to not only that, but everything in between. And I've had the benefit of staying in regular touch with you and we've had some, some car rides together and I hear what you're doing there. And I know that you didn't mention any of the stuff, but you are influencing the lives of people around you. I think I remember saying, you know, is this a Christian shelter? And all I know is now it is. <laughs> Now it is because of what you've done. I mean, she's asked me to, can you bring some communion cups up to me so I can have church here? I mean, again, this is living an example and I'm not trying to make it about you. This is about Jesus and you're reflecting those things and extending that faith and, and trusting in the congregation and trusting in what God's gonna do with this and allowed you to get to some stuff. And you're right, you have to come forward and you have to kneel at the cross, sometimes literally, and say, I have to give this to you. And he gave you, he responded with a promise that you're reading these scriptures, those promises that were made to people thousands of years ago that you're still claiming today, saying, I want that for me. I've done this, I'm gonna do this, I want that sleep. And he said, you got it. And you're not done, I know you're not done, you've got stuff coming ahead and you're still loved and I'm not just talking about from this congregation, so. Uh, one thing that I wanted to ask for in the, the prayer portion that I, want all of you to think about and pray about with me um, with the cold um, in Warrensburg there were two people behind the <laughs> behind Walmart that died in the, in the dumpsters behind Walmart and uh, so I'm working with the homeless now. Uh, trying, I'm gonna try to help the homeless in Warrensburg. And so any and all suggestions, um, I know that homelessness is a problem everywhere, but if, if God would just ask, I ask that you help me pray for, I know what you know, what I'm trying to say, yeah. <laughs> but if you would just pray for that for me. I would say maybe two weeks before all this happened, you came up to me after church and said, I'm really feeling an edging to do a mission, a mission trip, a mission something. And I, I think, I think, I think you're seeing the, the fruits of, of what he's been preparing you for. So guys, prayerfully consider that. Heather, God bless you for, for your honesty, for sharing that. That's, that's tough and, and what, a, what a testimony. What a, what a personal testimony to, to faith. Faith and putting it in action when it's tested. And, and to, to kind of continue this message, faith, faith has been a hallmark of Christianity before there was Christ himself. The Bible's full of stories of people, both individuals, entire, entire nations of people that were asked to do something in faith, to trust the Lord. 
And these were met with promises kept by God. These, this is repeated time after time throughout the Bible and throughout history. And, and Heather was even, you know, quoting some of these scriptures that says, do this and I'll do that. Or, or remember when I did this for these people and I did that. And each time the faith was deeper affirmed, right? Because now you have more hope because God has done this in the past and he'll do it again. But if you think about it, it took a little more stretching to deepen that faith, right? We, we, we studied this in depth in June of 2019 when I had to look back, I didn't realize it had been that long ago. We did a multi-part series called Far-Flung Faith. And also in January of that same year, the speed of faith, and, and you can revisit these online. But we talked about these things affirm your faith, right? You can have a little more courage, a little more confidence. But when you say, God, I need to grow in my faith, or if God points out that you need to, He's going to have to have you do a little more because now your confidence is right here before it was here. So now your confidence is out here. And so to grow your faith, he's going to have to stretch it a bit. These are one of these, uh, you know, these, these prayers that uh, can be a little bit dangerous because we, uh, um, you know, he'll, he'll do that. And he stretched your faith, Heather. And, and I know you as a woman of faith and a woman of compassion. And here he's stretching even that as you're, as you're just trying to take care of yourself and you're looking outside. Amazing, amazing. I wanted to put in here um, that those messages, the speed of faith and far flung, they're all less than 20 minutes. Sherry likes that when they're less than 20 minutes. In my defense, they average 23, but those last three minutes are big deal. Anyway, the stories of faith and trust the Bible, there's trust in the Lord met with satisfaction, aren't just a written record. They aren't just for the sake of recording historical facts. They serve as a, a resource and affirmation for our own faith as well. And this morning's scripture that Terry read for Psalm 22, four through five, it says, in you, your fathers trusted. He's talking to God. He said, they trusted and you delivered them. To you, they cried out and, and were delivered. In you, they trusted and were not disappointed. King David wrote these words as a reminder of your well-placed faith and that you have a God that can be relied upon just as people have been able to do since the beginning of time. Now, you know that I love the Apostle Paul's writings, and not just because he wrote the majority of the New Testament, but he's the master of closing loopholes. If you're like me and you're a little bit of a literal thinker, you're like kind of, you kind of analyze everything it says. But when he offers a description or repeats one of Jesus' teachings, he adds a lot of words to make sure there's no ambiguity and that you get the real point. Just a couple of, of reminders. Um, he wants to remind you that nothing can come between you and God. So in Romans 8, 38, 39, for I'm convinced that neither life nor death, neither angels nor demons, present nor future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth or anything else in all creation, all inclusive, will be able to separate us. He could have simply said, nothing can come between you, but he's like this or this or this or this. And if you don't get it, he says, anything else in all creation. And when he wanted to remind you that you shouldn't do bad things, he instead of saying, don't do bad things, he says, the acts of the flex are obvious. Then he lists several of them. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, and witchcraft, hatred and discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I mean, you just get everything in there, right? Don't just do bad things, but these are the things. And in the same cell, Paul expands on the scriptural definition of faith that we already read from Hebrews 11.1. 1. So he starts by saying, now faith is confidence in what we hope for. So confidence, there's our courage in what we hope for. And assurance about what we do not see. Now that's the faith part, right? Because we don't necessarily see something tangible all the time. And he says, this is what the ancients were commended for. 
And then he kind of goes on and gives you some examples. He says, starting in verse three, by faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command and that is what is seen was not made of what was visible. Verse four, by faith, Abel brought God a better offering than Cain did. By faith, he was commended as righteous when God spoke well of his offerings. And by faith, Abel still speaks even though he is dead. Verse five, by faith, Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. For before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and then he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Verse seven, by faith, Noah, when warned about things not yet seen in holy fear, built an ark to save his family. By his faith, he condemned the world and became heir to the righteousness that is in keeping with faith. And lastly, verse eight, by faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he never later, he would later receive as his adherents, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. By faith, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. He says the Bible is full of examples of faith met. And I can confidently say that your life is full of examples too, whether you realize it or not. Things that you've done in faith, or maybe you didn't even call it faith, but you did it because you were courageous. You knew in your heart of hearts that God would take care of this. And these are your stories. These are your reasons for hope. They're your testimony of faith. Again, it is the psalmist that reminds us of the value and trustworthiness of your well-placed faith. Psalms says, the Lord is trustworthy in all he promises and faithful in all he does. And later King David wrote this. He says, no one who trusts in the Lord, who trusts in you, the Lord, will ever be disgraced. So I want to challenge you this Lenten season to recognize and rely heavily on that compounded faith and trust in the Lord and open yourself up to, to make room for the new and future blessings that he has planned for your life. And I close this morning on to remind you that we're all to live godly lives as demonstrated by his love towards us and by the example of Jesus Christ himself. If God is trustworthy, then we should be as well. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 4, 1 through 2, let a man so consider us as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required in stewards that one be found faithful. This then is how you ought to regard us. This is how people should think of us. As servants of Christ and as those entrusted with the mysteries God has revealed, now it is required that those who have been given a trust must prove faithful. Friends, we know what we are to do and how we are to live. We must be trustworthy as well. Not just because we want someone to like you, not because you want someone to consider you reliable. These are all good things. But the most important reason, the real reason is because you have good work to do. You have good news to share. And it's important that people can trust that, trust that what you are saying and trust your motives when you show them generosity. And they can trust your motives when you're compassionate and love them. Do you remember last week's message about forgiveness? You need to be honest and sincere and trustworthy when you say, I am sorry. You need to be trustworthy when you say, I forgive you. And this, my friends, is how you make that much more room for salvation. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for the promises kept in Heather's life. God, we thank you that we have this wonderful God, the God that you are, 
that is trustworthy and faithful to us in all your promises. Father, help us to rely on those, to act in faith, to be courageous in the way we live our life, to do your good work, to share your good news, to reflect all of those wonderful characteristics so that the words of our mouths, the words of love, encouragement, the words of good news, of of generosity, aren't questioned as anything but sincere. God, this week, as we continue this Lenten season, help us to continue to make rooms by, by offering forgiveness to others, by accepting forgiveness of others, by accepting for forgiveness of the anger and resentment we may have towards ourselves, and to accept the forgiveness that you have for us. Let us also make room this week, this Lenten season, by trusting more in you and all that we do. Father, it is our prayer that we become more and more like your son, Jesus Christ. And although he gave his life on, our, on the cross for our sins, we know that we've got a life here to fulfill and we have a future in heaven with you because of that sacrifice. Let it never go unnoticed or unconsidered in our daily lives. Amen.